0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today to chat with you a little bit about self efficacy and the theory behind it and how it influences burnout, but not only burnout, but also our patient care experiences. I will say that I think that this is a part of burnout that we don't talk enough about. I think we talk a lot about emotional exhaustion, for example, which I do believe also impacts self efficacy, but I think more attention needs to be had on self-efficacy as well, especially when you're dealing with judging your own competency, right? And we can be very hard on ourselves as healthcare providers. So I think it's important for us to recognize what it is and how it's impacted. And if we do know some of that, at least, we can also work on improving our self-efficacy so that we can become more resilient when it comes to our clinical practice. The other thing about self-efficacy is also how to foster that in our patients, right? And create empowering patient care experiences, which is also useful in that regard. And this kind of came from a discussion I was having with a colleague. We were walking out the door together after work, and she was kind of saying how on her morning commutes, pretty much every single day, she listens to like a clinical skills type podcast to better her skills as a clinician. And the more she was chatting, you know, I was thinking to myself, is this a competency issue? Or is it a lack of belief in one's competency or in her competency in herself? And I did say that I mentioned it to her. And I said, you know, the more you're chatting, the more I'm listening to you, the more I'm thinking, is this actually a skills issue? Or is it that you just think you don't have the competency to perform the skill, which either way, I can understand that you would continue to learn right in practice. So essentially, self-efficacy is a theory, and it's basically, it was coined by Albert Bandura back in the 70s, and it's essentially personal judgment of how well you can execute a course of action or a performance that comes up in perspective situations. So whether it is a clinical encounter, or whether it's your own personal goals of achievement. And there's determinants of self-efficacy, there's certain factors that influence it. One of them is vicarious experiences. So, basically, establishing a sense of belief and judgment of how well you can execute a course of action based on other people's performances and comparisons and modeling that type of feedback, right? Or mentorship in a way. The other thing is emotional feedback, physiological feedback. What are the sensations in your body telling you? And are these sensations, upon awareness of them, how are you perceiving them? And are they then debilitating you or are they facilitating you in some way? And that part to me is extremely important. So for example, I was working with a patient and we were doing a car transfer. We were doing education on a car transfer and the patient and family had done car transfers together before and they kind of played it down like it wasn't a big deal. And they verbally explained to me what they do and everything seemed fine that way. I wanted to practice it though, but they didn't at the time when we were verbally discussing it. So the the moment came where she was leaving and we then did the car transfer. I still went outside because I still wanted to make sure that she was going to be okay. And I wanted to make sure she was going to stay safe. And sure enough, the car transfer and the way in which they normally would practice it was not safe. It didn't go well. And I could feel my body trembling on the inside because... I just felt like it was unsafe. And I was thinking to myself, how am I going to help this lady into her vehicle so she can get home because she was really excited to go home. So she had to get in that vehicle as safely as possible. So I remember listening to my body because I was literally trembling a little on the inside. And I said, just give me a moment. Let me just think about this for a moment. And so that's what we did. We paused and we kind of regrouped. And then it went much better the second time around and she was much safer and she went home eventually, thankfully, and it was a learning experience, right? And that's what it's all about, basically. And what we do every day as healthcare providers is empowering that learning experience and safety and participation in it all. The other thing is verbal persuasion. It's another determinant of self-efficacy and verbal persuasion is essentially encouragement or discouragement. So your self-efficacy can be influenced by your circle, right? And obviously, the more encouragement you're receiving, the better your self-efficacy is known to be. And even in children, of course, or when you're a student and you're receiving feedback in some way, that's also a part of that as well. Performance outcomes are actually the number one determinant, or they say the most like evidence-based determinant of self-efficacy. And it really is based on your experiences in terms of achieving a goal, for example, But also, you have to look at the opposite of that, which is failure, right? So achieving mastery over certain skills or tasks comes with both. And failure can impact your self-efficacy if you don't have a high self-efficacy to begin with. So if you are a clinician who's perhaps very entry-level, maybe you don't have a lot of perceived competency right now, you haven't worked with many people, you might find that if you have an episode where You perceive that you had failed, it might impact your self efficacy and might make you more prone to burnout. I don't know that specifically, but it could, right? I would think logically or hypothetically speaking. So, one of the solutions towards that is just practicing. So, practicing as much as you can, but not only practicing, it's also believing upon practicing that you are learning the skill and that you will be able to competently carry it out. And that's where the self efficacy comes in. And finally, Maddox also added visualization to this determinant as well. So just seeing yourself at the finish line, so to speak, you can taste the finish line. So this could be particularly related to a personal goal achievement. I know I use visualization with my patients, especially in the neurological population of patients that I work with. I often ask them to, even if they don't see the gross motor skill, if they don't see the gross movement happening, that they're visualizing it, that they're still performing it through their mind in seeing themselves do it. And I find that that has been beneficial in a lot of cases for sure. So how do we improve self-efficacy? There are some proposed solutions towards this. One of them is peer modeling. Again, maybe having some mentorships, learning from others and being inspired to a level that you aspire to be at, perhaps from people that you trust, people that you look to for a source of support. I know when I wrote my book, I had some healthcare providers reach out to me and say, you know, I've got a story. How did you go about doing this? So me just giving them bits and pieces of my experiences and sharing that with them proved to be helpful. Feedback and seeking feedback is really important. And the more detailed the feedback, the better. So don't assume that no feedback is good news, okay? So giving feedback is important for self-efficacy. And I know from my patient experiences, patients have told me in the past that they really appreciate the feedback. And so sometimes you can be in your own head and think that you're giving too much feedback. But I literally will say that to a patient, I'll say, you know, if I'm giving you too much, let me know. And I'll pull back a bit on the feedback. And so just bringing that to awareness, again, is helpful, because some people don't know, some people are not aware that that's beneficial, and that's helpful for them. So even as a clinician receiving feedback in any way, shape or form from your colleagues is helpful, but also from your patients, right? Asking your patients how you did, as opposed to them always getting feedback about how they're doing. Encouraging participation, active participation is also a part of this as well. And an active participation in this sense, they're referring to is more like co-learning, collaborating. And the more people who are actively involved, it helps to build critical thinking. Okay. And it helps to improve engagement. And the more you're engaged, the more you're involved in your own life, of course, and the more you can improve your self-efficacy in that regard. Also making your own decisions, taking self-responsibility. I know through patient empowerment, this is big, but I also use this in my personal life is you kind of can't be a backseat driver of your own life. You can't say you want this and that and not take the wheel essentially and getting there. So Taking that responsibility, yes, it always comes at a risk, but assuming that and taking action on that, and the more you can do that, will help to build your self efficacy as well. And overall, like I mentioned, in doing all of this, it can create an overall improvement in resilience and sustainment and performance of healthier habits and just achieving maybe personal and professional goals. I really think that if we can help clinicians recognize that failing at something is not something to be internalized, but rather be learned from and grow from, I really believe that this theory is one that can help expand on that a little more and give a little compassion to healthcare professionals who might be maybe more perfectionistic in mindset and in practice and have an inability to receive feedback, accept feedback, or even ask for it. because you already may feel inadequate in some way. So let me know what you think. These are just some things that I've learned. I'm going to attach this article to this podcast episode. I've really just scratched the surface on this. I've always been a fan of psychology. It was something I minored in, you can say. And it was something that I thought I was going to pursue and become a psychologist, but I didn't because movement really had my heart. Now, I'm learning, though, that both go really hand in hand. One is not better than the other. They just both facilitate one another and the importance of all of that. So I hope that this little intro, so to speak, has given you some insight on the value of self-efficacy and also to kind of take a look at it for yourself. There are some self-efficacy tests that you can take. I use that term loosely in terms of tests, but questionnaires just to see where you're at. And if you're someone who struggles with competency and not knowing the difference about whether it truly is a lack of competency that you're feeling and that you need to fill that gap or whether it's coming from something deeper in a belief that you just are unable to execute a task or performance or a skill competently, there's a difference there. And so by determining that, it might help to prevent burnout or added stress already to your everyday life and personal goals. If you want to learn about how to encourage your patients to create empowering experiences, I do recommend you check out my book, Communication as Care, Nine Empowering Strategies to Guide Patient Healing. This book will guide you in some ways and give you some nuggets about how to communicate with patients in a way that might help build their self-efficacy during their time with you, especially when now they've fallen ill in some way. And you can imagine that they might be feeling incompetent and just basic activities of daily living and starting from there. So until we chat next time, remember to stay well, stay happy, and I'll see you next time. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jennifergeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.